With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Meet Bob. Hey, Bob. He's a four-time tire rotation champion. When he was a baby, his first words were automatic transmission fluid. Bob's so cool, he has engine coolant running through his veins. And then there's Kyle, also known as Premium Unleaded. Legend has it that Kyle can change your oil with his toes, and that he can tell your tire's air pressure just by how you're walking. He's Bob, he's Kyle, and every Saturday morning, they morph together to form the greatest superhero known to man, Mr. Mechanic. Check engine lights don't stand a chance. This is the Mr. Mechanic Show on 1110 KFAB. Good Saturday morning to you. This is the Mr. Mechanic Show. 558-1110 is the numbers to get in. We mentioned that on the end of last show. We wanted to get you in quick so we can, you know, get that car fixed, get answer your questions, get you back to working on it so you don't have to worry about it. Um, we are Buchanan Service Centers, 50th and Dodge, 80th and Dodge, and Guaranteed Brakes, 49th Avenue and Dodge. So we're, uh, we're on Dodge. Stop in and see us. We're also on uh, podcast. We're available on podcast now. So if you miss your show, you're out of town. We're worldwide. We're worldwide. Absolutely. Yeah. You can hear us. No problem at all. I'm Bob. Sitting next to me is Kyle. As always, and we're here to answer those questions. It's going to be a fairly nice day to get out and fix that car. Oh, yeah. Forget the Super Bowl tomorrow. You don't need to watch that. Yeah, yeah. we got to get your car running. There's stuff to do. And that's only going to be at night, so you got you got plenty of time. Yeah. And I've said that before going into, you know, there's some we got something big to do tonight. Yeah. I'll see if I well, make it's, it. It's all going <laughs> to be decided in the last 10 minutes anyway, so it's yeah. not like you got to watch the whole thing. Same with the car repair. One bolt breaks, you're three more hours in. We're yes. going into overtime. Yes. Boy, and it... We're starting to see, I see a little bit more of what actually we've been seeing more and more, but during the wintertime, it starts coming out more is all this brine and salt that we've talked about many, many times is it just sticks everything and, and rusts everything up so bad. That it's that bad. Doesn't thing want, doesn't, doesn't want to move. You know, brakes are really bad with it anymore. We ran into one the other day that, that uh, all four pins were seized on the calipers. And mm-hmm. it just wouldn't move, and it was stuck, and it was starting to burn up the brakes a little bit. And you pull it apart, and most times you can get all that cleaned up and sanded down and put back together, and it isn't a problem. Sometimes you got to replace calipers, but it's just getting to be more and yeah, more. And we aren't talking about a one in ten repair. We're talking you got a fifty fifty chance, if right? At best, right? And we haven't even had haven't had that much <laughs> snow at all. So no, but I see more and more cities doing that too. It's not just a us deal. It's it's. Um, I see Des Moines is using it. I mean, it used to be just up north that you did it. Now you don't. You see it everywhere. So bad stuff. Yep. Get those, get those cars clean. Get the undercar. You know, pay a little extra. Get the undercar wash. You know, um, check those brakes. Keep an eye on the squeaks and the noises. This is one of those uh, seasons. Always in this season that the windows are rolled up. You turn your radio on. You don't hear all the. The grains and the, and the groans and the squeakings and all that kind of stuff until you have a nice day like today and you roll mm-hmm. the window down. Those so. don't normally fix themselves. No, they don't. And, and when want, they do, generally that part's missing from the car. 
Yeah, exactly. And you know, when it starts to get into a squeak, that's okay. That doesn't cost too much. It's when it gets into the grind and the, hard and the bang and the, <laughs> the clicking and the hard, that's when the price just goes up. So if you catch it before it becomes a big deal, it's just not nearly as expensive yeah. to fix. Because by the time that somebody's bringing it up to you from two lanes away that your car's making noise, mm-hmm. you're over $1,000. Each yep. lane of traffic you can hear that noise from is $1,000. Yeah, we've noticed. By rule of thumb. I've had, uh, you know, just in the last week, I've had uh, a couple of Dodge pickups in that, that had the aftermarket wheels that kind of stick out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And both of them had uh, wheel bearings that are bad. So if you don't understand why that works. Leverage. Leverage. So when you have a normal tire and wheel that came out of the factory, that is the center of gravity is such that it makes that wheel bearing last. But when you start sticking the tires outside the fenders, it puts more stress on that wheel bearing and makes mm-hmm. it go bad. And it was just kind of odd that we had uh, two of them in one week, both yeah. of the right front wheel bearings, and both of them had uh, big wheels and tires on it. And it was uh, that's kind of what it was. So, and that can happen to any vehicle. It was just kind of odd that it happened to Dodge. Well, so Chevy Ford's not immune to it, but it all kind of depends on what truck you put it on. If it, all these new F and the 1500 series will all have those kind of wheel bearings. Yeah. See a lot of interesting things in the shop. You see, um, yeah. What, what, what have you seen? Well, you got a, what do you got a motor out on the Subaru right now? Kind of. Yeah, re- who hasn't seen that in that shop before? <laughs> <laughs> we a do a lot normal occurrence. Yeah, we do a lot of Subaru work, and uh, we got a motor out of it right now. Just putting some heads back on, but we do a lot of tying belts, water pumps, cylinder heads leaking, you yeah. know, things like that. Especially in a lot of Subarus. Kyle does a lot of Subarus. Bring Subaru, it to me. Subaru. So good cars. It's just a, I don't know. Like the leak of the cylinder hits. Hey, here's an interesting article I read across the other day um, on electric vehicles because that's kind of starting to be the up and coming thing. the uh, The net profit on a uh, Tesla when you buy a Tesla, Tesla is making a little bit over ninety five hundred dollars per copy. Okay, and if you're not sure, that is a great profit to have on a vehicle when you buy a vehicle. GM is about twenty one hundred. Uh, Chinese firm, they're about fifteen hundred. Toyota is about twelve hundred, and Ford, they're a minus seven sixty-two. So that means every vehicle that they produce, they're losing seven hundred sixty-two dollars. Wow. But that's not the worst. You've got a couple of Chinese places, Nero and Zingping, that are about Zingping. Zingping, I think I don't know. Let's talk about the Zingping. Xping, how's that? Xping, how's that? They're uh, 11. Now and it sounds like an X-Man <laughs> superhero guy. I'm sure it's pronounced differently, but that's how I did it. Uh, they're 11000 and 19000 minus. So they're losing $19,000 per copy. That, and, and that's all in the, in very, you know, the, as it gets newer and more of them get out there, that profit will return back to the other way, but they're losing a lot of money on every copy. So that kind of happens with everything. We know how that works. We just low production. Yeah. It's a Chinese company, is it, Kyle? Well, <laughs> looks like it. <laughs> All that kind of upstarts. And there's going to be a lot of electric cars, I mean, uh, that are... It's not a bad-looking car. I every, mean, it looks yeah. like a Kia or Hyundai kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, they all look like a bar of soap, don't they? A worn yeah. bar of soap. That's just what they all look electric like. Electric shaver. Look at this one. It's got the doors on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sign me up. So... You know, here's something, another article I found, too. It was a kind of real-world fuel economy back in 1975, and this is all, these are gas here, 
1975 Honda Civic. Oh, God. 28 miles a gallon. I believe that. Every bit of it. Back in the energy crunch, which is 1985, he had a Chevy Sprint. That was doing 49 miles a gallon. What was the Chevy Sprint? Um, was it she, like a comb, like a Chevette? Um, a, a lot. Yeah, it looked like an egg. <laughs> they all do. Here's a Geo Metro. That was 53. And the Honda Civic, another Honda Civic in 95, did 47 miles a gallon. I saw a Geo Metro the other day. Hmm. I didn't think that they were still out there. I didn't think they survived. It had to be stuck Ooh. in some somebody's garage yeah. that couldn't get out. <laughs> to survive the time warp. Yeah, and I had a 95 Civic, and I can attest that it got 47 miles a gallon. It, yeah. it, was, it was a great. So you, you take that to what you're getting today on most cars, and we have gone down quite a bit. And Nobody gets that kind of mileage anymore unless you— I think I get 12 or 13. Yeah, maybe. unless you get to a hybrid or you know something like that. But the numbers are—you know, it takes a mathematician to figure out how many miles per— electrical gigawatt you're getting you know mm. um and they, they have one down here that the that the prius is getting 46 miles a gallon okay well that helps when you got a battery i suppose yeah but you see i guess the point of the thing is we haven't really gone that far no We've kind of just stayed in the same range in the 80s we were doing 50 miles a gallon and now the 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 prius that was this is back in 08 and 09 they're still doing 46 miles a gallon so we really haven't gone that far I'm kind of wondering how far we will go once we get all the way to the battery and every, everything like that. I have to see. I have to wait and see, see what yeah. they're going to do. So, All right, we're going to take a quick break on the Mr. Mechanic Show. We got a time? Well, maybe not. We'll do that in just a minute. What else we got, Kyle? Oh, here's something that's interesting. You remember the other day Jay Leno had a kind of had a problem with the gasoline, kind of burned himself up a little bit? That's happened to all of us. Well, this time he was out test uh, driving his 1940 in let's see Indian motorcycle. Okay. Kind of, he started smelling gas. Pulled into a car lot or pulled into a lot that had a wire across it, unmarked wire across it. Okay. He got thrown off of there. Oh no. Yeah. He broke a few bones, cracked a few things. Blah 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 blah. Boy, he's having a bad year. He is having a bad year, and he kind of admitted that here in the article. He's recovering some. Uh, he's had a bad string of luck, and. Uh, that's not going to hold him up, though. He said he was going to be out uh, touring next week, so he'd take a couple weeks off. Yeah. Maybe he should consider having hiring somebody to test drive a couple of things. I mean, how old is he getting now? Ah, 72. 72. 72. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. Poor guy. I like I like Jay Leno. Jay Leno is yeah, a lot he's of a fun character. to watch. Yeah, he's a character. He has a lot of great stuff. And that's, for a car guy, he's, he's just it's a fun show to watch that he has, and he just has a lot of interesting stuff you'd never see. So, yeah, and the facts behind it. Yeah, sure. All right, we're gonna take uh, we're gonna take a call. We'll go over to Larry. Larry's got a 1990 Ford Taurus. Larry, oh my gosh, what do you got yeah, going I, on? I'm talking about talking about that old SHO that I've been working on. Oh yeah, <clears throat> I, I put a new rack in it, and the uh, pipe that ties the left to the right side fell off of it and I can't get it back in there. Um, do you think it's necessary to put it back in? And if I don't put it back in, should I do something different? <laughs> Are you talking about that pipe that goes between the two bellows on the the ends where the inner tie rods are? Just kind of that uh, well, loose hanging breather pipe? The, 
it sits across top. Yeah, it's, it's a hard, like a quarter-inch diameter pipe or less. Yeah, and it goes into those two rubber boots on the ends of the rack? Yes. It's not 100% necessary that you have that there. Yeah, it's more of a... It's just kind of a breather yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, kind so of a if breather. There's any air in those bellows, it can kind of move back and forth and not collapse on 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 itself when it's turned one way or the other. I thought you were talking about the one on top of the rack that carries the fluid. No, that's important. Yeah, got to have important. that one. But that the one that uh, Kyle was mentioning, no, that's not a hundred percent necessary to have on there. You get dirt and debris in there, but you probably stick a plug in there. Or leave sure. them open. Leave them open. I mean, there's not supposed to be any fluid in there to nope. begin with. Nope. Okay. Okay. Well, maybe I could just put some foam over the top of it if I can find it and keep the dirt out of it then maybe. I don't know. No, even mm. if dirt gets in there, it's not going to be much, and it's not really going to do any damage. No, it's not going to do any damage. All that stuff is just – it. that boot is really there for water to not rust that shaft and kind of keep debris out of there. But there, it's just a it's just a metal – stainless steel shaft with a seal on it that's about it i mean yeah. it, it, it's great to have it there but it isn't a thousand percent necessary sure okay yep. thank you very much you bet yeah it's Love uh your show. yep thank you appreciate the call appreciate you listening okay yeah rat rack opinions are uh it just it's kind of weird when you have all that stuff that comes out of there and, and they when they get rebuilt you got to be be careful on the rebuilds that you get. Some are good. Some are, some are not. No. no. How many have we done twice, three times? Yeah. And, and we, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes you just have to go over to, to a factory unit. And a lot of times we do just so you don't have any kind of problem. The The problem with that is it just drives the cost up quite a bit. So. Yep. All right. We're going to take a quick break on the Mr. Mechanic Show. 558-1110 is to the numbers to get in. And we'll be back in a minute. <laughs> All right, we are back at the Mr. Mechanic Show. 558-1110 the numbers to get in. We're going to shoot right back into the calls and go over to Nick's. Got a 13 Sierra. Nick, what's going on? Hey, I got a 2013 uh, Sierra half ton, and it's got 112,000 miles on it. And I've had it for a year and a half, and I've replaced each headlight bulb about four times a piece. So I'm not sure what's going on or where I should start. What kind of, uh, are you just putting normal bulbs in, or are you putting high-intensity bulbs in? Uh, the Silver Stars, they're okay. called. Yeah. Okay. There's a, I have an 08, and I mean, they're kind of around the same. Yeah. There's no moisture getting into this headlight at all. When your bulbs are burned out, they don't look white or anything, do they? No, no I'm using the bulb grease every time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if my brother mentioned maybe a fuse. Maybe it's the wrong fuse. Explain to me what bulb grease is. Uh, well, you, you dielectric, put it on that. The dielectric, dielectric grease? On that uh, rubber gasket to make okay. a nice seal. Okay. Dielectric grease. Okay. okay. We'll make sure Making you know. sure I've seen people put that on the bulb itself, and that'll <laughs> cause issues. All right. I'll tell you my personal experience with this since I have a uh, had an 08 and a 13. So I had the high-intensity bulbs in there, the ones that were super bright in the low beams. And you're right. Every year or every six months, I would be changing one or the other, one or the other. It just seemed like it just wouldn't stay in there. And it didn't matter what I used. So I went back to the normal bulbs. Haven't had a problem. Normal bulbs didn't have a problem. So what I did was I took the silver stars, the real bright ones, and I I put those in the high beams, which I don't use all that much. 
and when I go out into the country or what have you, and it really lights the place up. But I don't have those fail either because I don't use them that much. But in that particular vehicle, your DRLs, your daytime running lamps, are run by the bulbs. So you're running that high-intensity bulb during the day all the time. And they just burn out because they're they're brighter, but their life is much shorter. It takes a lot more to make them that bright. Yep. A lot thinner winding. Yep. If you, if you grab, and I unfortunately had to grab a hold of one that was uh, not not on purpose, but... Hotter than hell. Hotter hotter than, yes, hotter than you can imagine. So go back to the normal ones. Just go back to the normal okay. ones. Put the high, the, put the real bright ones in the high beams, because that's when you're going to use them anyway. Um, and I think you'll solve your problem. That does make sense. Okay. It was a salvage title pickup. I'm not sure. I was wondering if maybe they had like a put back together wrong, if there's some kind of yeah. rubber anti-vibration gasket or something that didn't get put in right. So nope. I'm, I'm not okay. the only one that's run across this. I've run this uh, across this many, many times in the shop, and this is what we kind of have done to, to go back to that, and I haven't had a problem since we kind of do it that way. Those daytime driving lights didn't even cross my mind. Yeah. Okay. So, so, yeah. All right. Anytime you turn sense. the key on, they're all the time. So you're, you're running those bright headlights way, way more than you should. So, Yep. And they aren't cheap. So I will nope. do that. All right. All right. Appreciate the call. All right. Have a good day. You too. We're going to head over to Max. Uh, Max has got an 04 Blazer. Yeah. Uh, guys, uh, I talked to you about a year and a, probably a year and a half ago, I had a transmission that I wanted you to, I never had nothing done to it. And I had 300 and I think it was 320 back then when I had it. But I wanted to let you know that I just got back from California, mm-hmm. drove it out there and back, never had a damn bit of problem with the uh, transmission, knock on wood. Right. But uh, I took your advice about a year and a half ago, leave that transmission alone. Don't don't be doing nothing to it. And that's what I did. And uh, And I, maybe I'm you know, getting my luck a little bit running out, but uh, I just wanted to let you know this. And well, thank don't you don't for say that. that. Great advice. Thanks for that great advice that you gave me. Just leave that transmission alone, and uh, one of these days it'll probably quit. But I'm still driving it, just yeah. like uh, any other car, you know. And uh, yeah. we go we go a little shorter distances. We go 50 to 75 miles, and I don't get out too far with it, just because. Uh, but that, but it was just inspirational when I when I went to California and back ran into a little snow in Colorado, and I had to put four wheel drive in and, uh, but just thanks again. Yeah, for, you for bet. The advice. Yeah, well, I'm glad it's going strong, and I hope it hope it lasts for another hundred. Oh, this is an enduro now. We <laughs> yeah, gotta yeah, see we, how long. Max, yeah. keep us updated on how long this blazer goes. Yeah, if I want to know if it finally call, if it finally goes. We want to hear from you. All right, Max, I appreciate the call. All right, we're going to head over to Ken. Ken's got an 08 uh, Ford Taurus X. I think that's the SUV model, isn't it, Ken? Uh, yeah, a little kind of minivan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Um, It's starting to die when uh, you're, like, coming off the gas, slowing down. It'll just stall out. No codes, no nothing. It doesn't make any noise. It just dies. Hmm. Well... Right off the top of my head, those are pretty common for idle air control motors to go bad. Um, the other possibility is, have you cleaned the uh, the throttle body at all? About a year ago. Okay. 
The other thing that's very common for that vehicle is a uh, the vacuum hoses. There's like a tube that kind of comes around f- from the intake, goes over to the PCV valve. Mm-hmm. Those particular hoses will just get soft and they'll suck shut. And when they do, they'll open up a hole. So when the car is off, that, that hose will kind of expand and it'll kind of seal itself. When the vacuum gets going, the engine runs, then it creates a hole and it can create a vacuum. Which isn't an issue when you're driving down the road or the idle's high because it can compensate for it. But once it's warmed up and it comes down to a stop, that vacuum leak is too big, and it doesn't it causes it to die. So, all right. But what have and you done? Is there so, an easy way to check for that? Well, you just you kind of go underneath the hood, and you should hear the engine kind of running. But you should hear if you want to listen for maybe a sucking noise, or just kind of go around the the hoses themselves. Um, any kind of what emissions control hose. Put your hand on it. You'll feel it suck in. Or if the hose is really soft, it'll collapse in your hand and just kind of feels like really hot rubber. Yeah. Just all gooey. And The PCV hose is a common thing on these. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, I mean, you can figure that out pretty. I mean, if you have a vacuum gauge, you can just plug it into any line, start the car up, see what kind of vacuum your engine has. Should so, be 15 to 18. Is this just coming down to a stop, or will you start it up and it will let it idle at all? Um, it it drives around just fine 90% of the time, but just lately it, uh, it'll stall when I'm trying to pull into the garage or like when I'm slowing down to go to the bank or something. Okay, so mm-hmm. this is not where you're coming off the interstate and then coming down to a stop, it'll stall. That seems to be okay no. the majority of the time? Okay, all right, I'm just fishing for a different particular problem so it doesn't sound like you have that um yeah that's what that's what i'm looking at so the idle speed control motor what that does is it's a valve that opens and it lets more air in and that raises the idle or it shuts down and it lowers the idle and and that can cause a problem that is going in and out constantly constantly i mean on i can't remember ford's where their breakoff point is is that electronically controlled throttle or does that actually have an extra um, you know, idle motor? In the 08, it, it could be either one. It, it, we're kind of getting old on that car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're getting a little bit old. You're, you're testing our memory. So that's the first thing to do is clean the throttle body, check for, check for vacuum leaks, and then um, from there you might have to take it to a garage and then take a look at it, kind of see. But those, if the idle goes too low, it can't compensate for it, and when it can't compensate for it, it dies. All right. Well, thank you. You bet. If we can help you any any further, let us know. All right. We're going to take a quick break on the Mr. Mechanic Show. 558-1110 is the numbers to get in. We'll be back in a minute. We are back at the Mr. Mechanic Show. All right. We are Buchanan Service Centers. 80th and Dodge, 50th and Dodge, and Guaranteed Breaks, 49th Avenue and Dodge. So stop in and see us. We're going to head straight back into the calls, head over to Ray, uh, Ray, 05 Town and Country. Ray, what's going on? Thanks for waiting. Oh, yeah. No problem. Um, I used to drive a Ranger many years ago, so that's why I haven't called you guys in about 15 years here, so it's been a while. Yeah, haven't needed to if you owned a Ranger, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I got rid of it. I had a loud pounding in the back and then a whining in the rear end, and it was the grandkids saying, it's raining outside, so I got a a town country now. There you go. (laughs) Anyhow. Uh, I, I've got an intermittent. It's got 150,000 miles on it, and it's got every once in a while. Uh, and this weather here, just as we started having last of the uh, meltdowns and stuff, and it'll. It's kind of like 
I'm not sure if the transmission's slipping or if I've got where a tire is like kicking out some sand or on a little bit of water. I'm on iffy surfaces, so to speak. So I went on out there and I checked the transmission really quick. And it seems fine, so I'm going to have it warm up and on perfectly level ground and everything else. So I'm wondering out there, back in the day, if we had an intermittent transmission problem like that with the Chrysler, we'd put some STP down into that sucker, and then it'll eventually just remedy it on out and swell the seals back out. Right. Is that still a thing? Well, I don't think you have anything to lose. Yeah. Um, because I think you're heading towards a transmission on that car anyway. It just depends on when because uh, they had a lot of differential issues in those. Yeah. Those were the ones that pin had come out and break the whole case. Yep, break the whole case. But they also had problems with just straight just transmissions. Just the transmission, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not, not even counting the, the pin in the differential. But, yeah, they were very, very common to go bad, and we've replaced a ton of them. Yeah. Tons of them. Lucas makes a good product you can pour in there. I've seen it work a few yeah. times you know and if there's the seals are getting a little bit uh flat and the fluid goes around them instead of being sealed off then yeah it's uh it's not going to hurt anything most, okay. most mechanics in a can doesn't do anything you know for the most part but you know how many miles are on you said 150,000 yeah and if it hasn't been replaced on the transmission while you're probably you're in line you're in line and you're probably overdue i hate to tell you that but you probably are so how much is how much would it cost for you guys to redo that differential and crap in there? To well, get going again. the differential is part of the transmission. Yeah, you're uh, doing the whole thing. Yeah, There's... because if the if the differential has gone bad or any kind of <laughs> it, all it does is circulate all that material through the whole transmission, so you, it it's not isolated uh, where the tr differential is here and the transmission's in in a different spot. They both share the same fluid. Okay, so about how much are we talking for just having it re rebuilt then for mm. both of them? Off the top of my head, um, and I'd have to do some checking for sure, but I would say you're going to be in the 35 range, 3500 Okay. Yeah, they, I knew they'd get a little bit steep there. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, if you have any other uh, issues, stop in, you know, let us look at it for you a little bit and, and get you an, an estimate if we need to, so. Okay, thank you very much. You bet, guys. Ray. Appreciate the call. Yep, appreciate the call. All right, we're going over to Mark. Mark's got a 2011 F250. Mark, what's going on? I got an uh, automatic hub here a couple weeks ago. started making noise, so I replaced the uh, vacuum, uh, elect little electric solenoid vacuum uh, controlled up by the radiator, and that didn't help any because they're vacuum-controlled hubs. Right. Mm. Right. Oh. They're lockout hubs. It's an F-250 with a lockout hub, but it's one position's automatic and the other one locked in. Right. Anyway, so I just, I've been, uh, run, I switched it over to four high, and it's not, it, you can still hear it clink when you slow down. But I was wondering I was if there's anything else I should check before I replace the hubs, because I can buy them online, the, 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 uh, the vacuum hub mechanism and bearings complete set for like about $150 online, but they want like over $300 at the parts store. Sure. Wow. I was just going to think, uh, that seems awful cheap. Yeah. It kind of makes me wonder what you're getting and if you're, what you're getting is any kind of quality. So 
typically what we do with these is uh, the solenoids are just generally never the problem. Um, yeah, and I mean, you can test them pretty easy, which yeah. is, I mean, you put your finger over it and have somebody kick it in with the engine running. Do you get vacuum there? Right. I the, mean, it's a the two very simple test. Yeah, and the two biggest problems we have are the... Uh, are the vacuum uh, pieces out there, the vacuum hubs, and then also you replace the wheel bearing at the same time. We generally do, don't do one or the other because one has damaged the other, and if you're all the way in there, adding that vacuum hub is just, it's a good thing to do. I mean, because you're right there. Even if it's not bad, you're already there, and it's going to go bad. So the other problem that you have is the vacuum tubes and the wiring because it's all plastic that runs from down and runs over to the right-hand side of the wheel. We've had a few of those uh, vacuum pieces go bad, and and the plastic get ruined and don't have any vacuum going down to the hubs, and that's kind of why there's a problem. So check the vacuum to the hubs first. Um, make sure that that system is okay, but, boy, 150 sounds awful cheap to me. Okay. I, but I just saw uh, check, and if I can't find any leaks, then I guess that's... I yeah. was going to replace the complete unit of yeah. bearings. So, did, so does, does this make a go. does this make a ratcheting noise as you kind of head up a hill at all? Not at all. Just when you let off, you can hear it like it's kicking out. Okay. It'll click, you know, clunk. Of course, like I said, I'm running it in four high right now too, and if I take it out of four high, then it really makes all kinds of clickety clacking noise. Right. Sounds like something's not disengaging. Yeah, so the way this the way this system is uh, designed is that when you go up the hill and it loses vacuum, it'll it'll engage those hubs. And I guess you know if it's left or right, you can just hear the noise up front. That's it. The right side. Right side. So what I would be doing is uh, putting a right side hub and bearing in that side and calling it a day. But I would also yep. I would I would question the I would question the parts you're getting. Just because you're getting okay. it cheaper, if you do it twice, it didn't make it any cheaper. No. Right. They aren't the funnest one in the world to do, but I mean. I, you know, all I, right. I get those vacuum hubs from Ford just about all the time. The, the, the bearings you can probably get aftermarket, but any kind of bearing and any kind of uh, pickup, I, I do not use the cheapest bearing at all. We'll use either a, a mid-grade or a better bearing because, again, it, it lasts longer, and you really only want to do it once, especially if you're doing it. So, right. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Thank you very much. You bet. You bet. Appreciate the Thanks. call. All right. We're going to take a quick break on the Mr. Mechanic Co show, and then we'll come back and ask another question. All right. We are back on the Mr. Mechanic Show. And we're going to head straight over into the call and talk to Brian. Brian's got an 09 Impala. Thanks for calling, Brian. What's going on? Hey, thanks for taking my calls. Um, so my daughter's uh, automatic transmission just quit working on her. Um, I go there to pick her up and find out that I'm able to drive it home if I shift the gears manually. And I'm able to, if functions properly, I'm able to get on the interstate and cruise at 75. Um, I was going to change the speed sensor today since it's fairly reasonable price and it looks fairly easy to get to. I uh, just kind of want to know what your thoughts were. Well, I know I probably wouldn't go there. Yeah, if probably. you're having to shift it manually, something mechanically is not working. Yeah. Okay. So, All right. 
everything obviously isn't automatic, and that's kind of how that works a little bit. But if you're if you're manually shifting some of that stuff and going from first to second to third, you're taking over all the automatic portion. I mean, you you, you know that already because that's that's how it's working. Um, yep. So do you have a do you have a speedometer? Does it actually work or not work? Yeah, everything was working fine. Drive drove fine. Everything functioned fine. Speedometer dash everything. Yeah. So that output speed sensor comes off of an output shaft, and that's the you know that's right where the axle's at. So that's where the speed's at. So it knows exactly where it is. It's usually on the right hand side. Um, but if that's working and you have speedometer to it, um, then no, that's not really your issue. If you did not, if you told me you didn't have any speedometer at all. And it was shifting, you know, erratically or improperly. Then I would say, yeah, you either got a bad sensor, you got some wires that's getting chewed up down there. So no, you've okay. got something more. Have you had? Have you checked any codes in it at all? Yeah. So the check engine light's not on. I checked some codes, and uh, I think there were just some previous ones. They were. Um, boy, I can't think now. Yeah. Um, no, no problem. So. If you go, oh, to, it was a lean, lean air sensor, airflow sensor, lean, you know, bank one or something like that. Well, if you've got a, a mass airflow sensor, that can that can cause shifting issues, but not kind of what you're talking. So when when she said that it went out, what was what were you what was she experiencing? She was driving um, in drive on the interstate, and it just quit, just re- revving up. So she was able to coast off to the exit. Okay, so if you if it's just revving up, that means it's going something bad internally, um, or the fluids or the fluids low. What one of the two? So it, it okay. Does, yep. And if you've already checked the fluid, I'm sure. So that that yep. that's okay. So yes, you have something going bad internally. It's it's going around the seals. The fluid is going around the seals. It cannot, you know, automatically do what it needs to do. And especially mm-hmm. if it if it's raising up like that, that sound about yeah, right. Yeah, it's slipping. Kyle? Yeah, it's slipping internal. So. You know, okay. you, can, you can go back to what we said, or not what we said, what somebody suggested, you know, get a little bit of a mechanic in a can and pour it in there and see how far it takes you. Okay. But you're, I think you're, you're heading towards a transmission, unfortunately. I hate to tell you that, mm-hmm. but that's where you're heading. Because they were, not only that, because they were kind of problematic back in that year. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for your help. You appreciate bet. It, guys. Appreciate your call. Yeah. Bye. Thanks. Yeah, you know, that was just a... That whole era... You know, from like the early 2000s through probably 2015, we did a lot of transmissions. Yeah, yeah. A lot I mean, of... I remember early on when I started in this business, I was like, wow, transmissions are not good. It is, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, it seemed and, like every week I was doing one in something. Yeah, and then all they've done is in, that was kind of a GM deal. Ford had their own mm-hmm. issue. Chrysler, it seems like all of them had kind of a little bit of an issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of Chrysler. Some of the Asian ones didn't have near as much uh, problems with transmissions. But when you do, oh, my gosh, are they expensive. (laughs) Yeah, the other day I just threw away a whole box of clutch alignment tools. Yeah. Like, when's the last time I did a clutch? Yeah. And then you. I can't remember. Now it's all turned into CVT transmissions, which are even much more expensive. And in in certain vehicles, the cost of putting a transmission in a uh, CVT you know, vehicle can outstrip. You're double. Well, yeah, it can outstrip what the car is worth. Mm-hmm. And, and and unfortunately, we towed one to the salvage yard not too long ago because it was done. Well, we got all our value the, out of this the, one. The transmission itself was eight thousand dollars. The car was only worth four. So it was like that didn't make any sense. So yeah, salvage yard owns that one now. 
All right, Kyle. Sounds like the music is coming on. We made it. We made it another hour. So 558-1110 is the numbers to call in. Call in early next week, as always. You know, don't wait till the middle of the, of the hour so we can get to all your calls. But that's what we want to do. That's why we come in. We want to help you out. So I think that's about it. I'm Bob. Kyle. We'll see you next week. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.